Hello, and welcome back to The Mentors. We're driving down the 101. Is it the 101? It is not. It is the 15. But we are driving down the highway right now, which is why the sound is a little bit different than what you're used to. We're coming back from Massachusetts after visiting some family, and we decided, you know what, we're going to record this episode on the road while drinking a Dunkachino. Of course we wouldn't miss an episode. So we appreciate you tuning in, and of course this is our weekly segment called The 5 Minute Pick Me Up, where we tell stories of entrepreneurs that we meet or that we read about, things that we think are motivational that might benefit you for the week to come. And today, we're going to talk about a Russian oligarch named Boris Berezovsky. Yes. Now, quick disclaimer. Uh, Anything that we say on this show, I mean, of course, these are opinions and we take sort of, we make inferences from the things that we read, but by no means does it mean that we agree with their politics or are saying that you should emulate this person, but we are saying that we can learn from anybody, and if you are interested in this particular gentleman and this story, uh, you should read up more about it because we think it might be helpful in your journey, and this story comes from a book that Sergey is currently reading called The Oligarchs. Who's that book by? Um, the book is by, I have to look it up, I'm sorry, but, um, but it is by this American journalist who actually went to Russia and he interviewed tons of people over the course of, I think, a decade. He would go back to Russia and he interviewed, he had first-person accounts with a bunch of oligarchs, which are essentially billionaire Russians who made their money when the Soviet Union fell apart. And also, um, he also did a bunch of research and interviewed people that they knew and he actually lived there for certain periods of time. And, you know, I'm reading about all of these oligarchs, basically about these Russians that came from nothing and ended up making billions when privatization started happening, right? When uh, the basically communist government fell apart and all of the assets of the country became private property of citizens, these people made billions. And I started to pick up on some patterns. And that one of these stories is from Boris Berezovsky, Boris Berezovsky, that I wanted to share to you. But really the pattern of the individuals in Russia who were able to become billionaires in the new Russia were the people who were able to nurture the right connections in the Russian government and knew how to essentially work the new rules to make it work in their favor. Now, Sergey was really calm right now, but we actually had a, somebody stop in front of us <laughs> really quickly, and we had to step on the brake. So you may have noticed that the ambient noise around us changed because we went from going... 70 miles an hour to 20 in like three seconds. Go on. So, okay, so this, Boris Berezovsky is a guy who, he was a Jew, and he was also a mathematician. Uh, he worked in a lab in an institute. Yeah, he was an academic. He was an engineer, a mathematician, a researcher for most of his life. He was an engineer for most of his life. And really, if you're a Jew in the Soviet Union, most doors and opportunities for jobs are closed to you. You're never going to work, for example, for the Communist Party. That's for sure. You're, if you are, you're one of the few. And so a lot of Jews gravitated toward academics because that is the only area where it was open for them because Russia always needed economists and scientists because they, you know, again, they wanted to stay competitive with the rest of the world. And so he ended up working his way through the ranks and getting his PhD again because that was the only way that he could stand apart. Um, and he had this area in the institute that he ran. And part of the job that he had was dealing with the automobile manufacturing in Russia. And there was really only one main plant that made all the vehicles in Russia based off the Fiat, Italian Fiat model. And that was in, uh, I believe it was in central Russia. The factories and the plants in Russia, because they literally controlled production, 
those were essentially, if you could get close to entrepreneurship in Russia, that's what it would be, or in the Soviet Union. If you were running a plant, you would get money from the government and you distributed that money so you could produce things and you had certain quotas and whatever it was. So those were actually some of the most sought after positions because you could get favors from people, you could get free stuff, etc. But this guy, Berezovsky, because he was a Jew, he was definitely not running any kind of factory. He only had relationships with factories. And as part of this institute, he essentially did research contracts for these factories. So those were the contracts that he had and those were the relationships that he had. But this is a guy who was an academic and he, in fact, didn't even have his first car until he was 40 and that he split with a friend of his. Um, and so, you know, you're looking at a person who, well into his 40s, was pretty um, set into this narrow path of academia. But once economic easing started happening in the, in the 80s because of Gorbachev, it was in, Americans might know it as Perestroika, Perestroika, which is essentially rebuilding, it was reform, some private enterprise was possible. So people started thinking creatively and risk takers started basically creating small businesses. But Berezovsky thought big and he thought, I'm going to get into this entrepreneurship thing, but I'm going to do it big. And so how he did is he said, I'm going to try to leverage these relationships and actually try to figure out how car manufacturing and dealing really works in the private sector and how we can do it here in Russia. So in his 40s, you know, instead of trying to go down and say, hey, factory, give me a job, he knew he wouldn't get a job because he's a Jew. He said, hey, listen, anytime he basically sent a, a letter or he called a factory boss and he said, listen, anytime you need to do business in Moscow, that's where he lived. I will drive you around. I'll just be your chauffeur. You know, you can meet with your Italian counterparts, people you do business with, and I'll drive you guys around. Now, you know, who wants to volunteer to be a chauffeur for someone? That seems like such a low-level thing. But he was very strategic about it. He knew that if he could chauffeur them around everywhere, he could listen in on those conversations, know exactly what they do, know what their problems are, learn about what they need, and then build a relationship with them so that later on, he could solve their problems. And, you know, I think it's a story for another episode of how he started doing that later and ended up running basically the biggest car dealership in Russia once they became privatized. But he did it initially by essentially being a cabbie for them, but listening to what they needed and building a relationship from them with them from scratch. So, look, it's not rocket science. Uh, their only way to actually find opportunities is to be open to them and to have your sort of ear to the ground and that's what Berezovsky was doing in this case. Now of course he did have to do the hard work. Not everybody would be willing to be a chauffeur for these people and even though he was an academic he didn't let pride get in the way and he did do that market research to identify these opportunities. So we think that the motivational aspect of this particular story is it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter where you are in your career, the fundamentals of identifying opportunities and creating value will always be the same. And it's available to all of us as long as we're willing to put in the work, building the relationships, and then figuring out how to actually solve people's problems. That's it for the five minute pick me up for this week. And as always, if you thought this story was interesting, share it just with one friend, click on the share button within your podcast app, and send it to one of your cuckoo friends that has 70 podcasts that they listen to every week and just ask them to add the mentors to their weekly lineup because the mentors might just be as cuckoo as everybody else. Yes, we are. We're cuckoo for cocoa buffs. We're cocoa for cuckoo buffs. See, we're going to end you with that. We don't even know what that means and we're going to end with that. <laughs> Goodbye. Later.